Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, radio listeners. My name is Tyrone Lowe. I'm your engineer this evening. And I have a special guest. She's, she's already a guest on my show. And she's here again. And our topic for this evening is Unveiling Jesus, the grace of God, by the grace of God. And here for you is Dr. Cleopatra Brown. Good evening. I give all honor and all glory and all praise to God who is the head of my life and to Jesus who is the author and the finisher of my faith. Just for the opportunity to break bread and to feed God's people. I pray that God's word will richly bless you and enrich your heart. And to my brother Tyrone, I thank you just for allowing God to use you and to open the door for me and many others in the body of Christ. May God continue to bless you and your ministry. Um, I'm here speaking on behalf of Christ Fellowship Worship Center, where my pastor is Pastor Dr. Mark Dance. And at this time, just for time's sake, I'm going to go into my message. I'm going to start my reading from the book of John, chapter 1. I'll be reading verse 1, 14, and 17. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So if you use for a topic, it would be unveiling Jesus the grace of God. Not long ago, the Lord revealed unto me why it is so important to unveil Jesus, the grace of God. The Spirit of the Lord directed me to the book of Matthews. During Jesus' baptism, a voice from heaven spoke, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. On the Mount of Transfiguration were seen three major prophets, You had Moses and Elijah, two Old Testament prophets, talking with Jesus, the New Testament prophet. When the disciples saw them, they were amazed, and Peter requested to build tabernacles for each one of them. But in the midst of Peter's conversation, there came a voice out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. In these texts, God introduced, confirmed, and commanded us to hear his son, Jesus, the New Testament prophet. Jesus charged his disciples, Peter, James, and John, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. That's Matthew chapter 17, verse 9. I come to tell you, Moses is dead. Elijah is dead. Jesus has risen and he is alive. Preach and teach Jesus. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. In the book of John, chapter 14, beginning with verse 11, the beloved Son responded, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. 
or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. What is grace? According to Nelson New Illustrated Bible Dictionary, grace is the favor or kindness shown without regard to the worth or merit of the one who receives it and in spite of what that person deserves. Grace is associated with mercy, love, compassion, and patience. Grace is the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God made known through Jesus Christ. Grace is a gift given by God, and the gift is received by people through repentance and faith. The grace of God was supremely revealed and given in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus restored the broken fellowship between God and his people. The only way to salvation for any person is through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of God revealed in Jesus Christ is applied to human beings for their salvation by the Holy Spirit, who is called the Spirit of Grace. And you'll find that in Hebrew chapter 10, verse 29. The Spirit is the one who binds Christ to his people so that they receive forgiveness, adoption to sonship, and newness of life, as well as every spiritual gift or grace. The theme of grace is prominent in the letter of Paul. He sets grace radically over against the law and the works of the law, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Paul makes it abundantly clear that salvation is not something that can be earned. It can only be received as a gift of grace. Romans 4, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 4. When you know the truth about God's grace, you will perform and live a life above defeat. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 clearly states, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you depend on yourself, on your works, on your obedience, goodness, service, and even on your faith, you will not receive the promises of God. But when we receive God's grace, his unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor towards us, that is when his promises become sure in our life and is not a hit and miss. One of God's promises found in John chapter 14, verses 13 through 14. And whatsoever ye shall ask 
in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. In order for this promise to be manifested, you must believe in Jesus and believe he is able to do all things except fail. When you see Jesus, the grace of God, he sees your faith. What is Bible faith? First, we must recognize that faith is now, not later, not tomorrow, and not later down the road from now. Faith is now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11, chapter 1. Faith believes first before seeing the evidence or manifestation of what an individual prayed to God for. Believing is a personal trust and confidence in God. You hear so many spiritual leaders placing emphasis on prayer alone. The Bible tells us that we are not just to pray, but rather to pray believing. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. That's Mark chapter 11, verse 24. If we are specifically told to believe when we pray, then it must be possible to pray and not believe. Believing is the problem the church is facing today. There's an acronym called PUSH, P-U-S-H, pray until something happens. I come to tell you, after you have prayed and or have put forth your petition before God, believe and see yourself receiving what you have prayed for now, and then tell the Lord, thank you. Satan sits back and laughs, make a mockery out of believers, calling us yo-yos. We are up and down, up and down, praying for the same thing over and over because God did not release the answer or the petition of our prayer in our time. I come to tell you God's time is not our time. God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and our ways are not God's way. First John chapter 5, verse 13 through 15 instructs us to believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. Not all prayers bring results. Only believing prayers prayed according to his will moves Jesus and receives from God. Learn to pray according to the will of God. Believe that God Here's your prayer, and thank the Lord as if you have already received it now. For this reason, you must learn to become a bush. B-U-S-H. Believe until something happens. You are not just praying, 
but also believing until something happened. I heard James say in the first chapter, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Verse 6 and 7. If you want God to do anything for you, touch him with your faith. And the Holy Spirit will bear witness to the truth that you are believing for grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Unveiling Jesus, the grace of God. I am so reminded of the woman with the issue of blood. The woman with the issue of blood did not go around saying, I must have faith. I need to develop my faith. I don't have enough faith. The woman heard the reports about Jesus, and when she saw Jesus, she spoke within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall behold. And straightforward, she operated in faith by pressing through the crowd. When she touched Jesus in faith, Jesus felt the virtue as it left his body. That same virtue known as the miraculous power in the Greek sparked off an explosion of healing within the woman's body. When the woman saw Jesus' grace, Jesus saw her faith. Jesus said, thy faith had made thee whole. In other words, it was her personal trust and confidence in Jesus that made her whole. Today, God wants us to see his grace. And when you see his grace, he will see your faith. It is by grace that we are made whole, healthy, preserved, and prosperous. Anytime you are experiencing or going through trials and tribulations in your life, know that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. That's Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. Jesus is our high priest. And when he sees us going through, know that he's going through with us. The next verse in that same chapter, Hebrews chapter 4, going to verse 16, it reads, Come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hebrews 4 and 16 lets us know that we have access to the throne of grace. There are three key words in this particular scripture I would like to address. Come, grace, and mercy. It is imperative that you understand these words so that you may approach the throne of grace in the correct manner. Come, in the Greek means to draw near to God in prayer, sacrifice, worship, devotion of heart, and life. Grace, used in this text, means favor and goodwill of God and Christ as exercised toward men. Mercy is defined as compassion, active pity. If we were taking the meaning, if we were to take the meaning of these three words and insert it into the scripture, it would read as thus. Let us therefore draw near to God in prayer, sacrifice, worship, devotion of heart and life, boldly unto the throne of favor 
and goodwill of God and Christ as exercised toward men, that we may obtain compassion, active pity, and find favor and goodwill of God and Christ as exercised toward men to help in time of need, to help in time of need. Whatever area in your life you are struggling with or need help in, come boldly to the throne of grace. Do not run from God. Run to God. Fall down and cry out, Lord, help me. If you choose to tell God all about it, do so. If not, it's okay because God already knows what you stand in need of before you even ask. If the only thing you can do is mourn and sob, that's okay as well. God is able to hear your heart through your mourns, your sobs, and your tears. Even in your darkest hour, Jesus will intercede on your behalf, and God will dispatch your angels to every situation and every circumstance that troubles you. I heard David say, the righteous cry out, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near unto them that of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them out of them all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is the God that we serve. I am on a mission to unveil Jesus, the grace of God. After you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are now under the new covenant of grace. The new covenant of grace is based on Jesus, not on Moses and not on the law. Even though Moses was seen on the Mount of Transfiguration, God spoke, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Listen to his Son, Jesus. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. As Christians, we are not under the law, but are under grace. It is imperative that we recognize the difference between the two covenants, law and grace, so they will not be mixed together, creating a strange fire and a false gospel, which will frustrate the grace of God and lead to hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is religious showmanship. It is both self-serving, you are happy when your own flesh is able to please God, and it is self-defeating when you're unhappy when your flesh fails you. Mixing grace with the law is so common in the body of Christ. It is the mixing which worketh destruction amongst the Christians. Jesus Christ is the end, the termination, and fulfillment of the old covenant of the law that is based on man's good works to achieve righteousness. Christ also marks the beginning of the new covenant of grace, where man is made righteous by grace through believing in our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the end of the law. The book of Galatians chapter 2 lets us know Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, 
Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Once again, the new covenant of grace is all about Jesus. Jesus was born to save his people from their sins. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. With his stripes, we are healed and made whole. The moment we confess Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he has risen, we receive salvation and is cleansed from all unrighteousness. All of our sins are forgiven once and for all. We are not to live from confession to confession, but from faith to faith in Jesus and in his finished work. Jesus never preached confession. He preached repentance. Repent means to turn away from sin, disobedience, or rebellion and turn back to God. Repentance is a change of mind or feeling of remorse or regret for past conduct. Under the old covenant, you receive God's blessings only if you kept all of his laws. If you sin and fail to keep even one law, you were disqualified from receiving God's blessing. Under the new covenant of grace, God dealt with sin over 2,000 years ago by sending Jesus in the flesh. God allowed Jesus to be wounded for our transgression and bruised for our iniquities. And God allowed the blood of his only begotten son to be shed on Calvary. The Bible states in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14. Under the new covenant of grace, your sins no longer disqualified you because God himself has said in the book of Hebrews, chapter 8, verse 12, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Why are you remembering your sins and allowing others to dig up graves around you and throw dirt in your face? If you fall down, repent, get up, dust yourself off, and keep on pressing and fighting the good fight of faith. God dealt with sin. Sin is no longer God's problem, but has become man's issues. Now we need to back this up with the word of God. In Hebrews chapter 8, I'll be reading verse 10 through 13. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he said, a new covenant he hath made, the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish. And if we go to Hebrews chapter 10, 
I will read starting with verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshiper once purged should have had no more conscious of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls of goats should take away sins. Verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He take away the first that he may establish the second. Verse 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 15, whereof of the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he has said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. First John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 states, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. No true believer of Jesus is looking for an excuse to sin. Many believers are struggling looking for a way out of sin. Instead of teaching grace, leaders are preaching condemnation messages and stoning the people with the law causing God's people to duck and hide, never to return to the house of worship. The way to be liberated from sin is to come under Jesus' grace. Sin should not have dominion over us, for we are not under the law, but under grace. That's Romans 6 and 14. I am so reminded of the adulterous woman. Jesus said to her accuser, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Jesus never recited the law of Moses to the woman caught in adultery. Her accusers did. Jesus never endorsed her sin. Jesus never commanded her to confess her sin. Instead, Jesus showed her grace. God's unmerited, unearned, and undeserved favor and gave her the gift of no condemnation, which liberated her, showed her the way out of her sin, and enabled her to go and sin no more. Know that where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. The grace of God does not shun the sinner. Grace pursues the sinner. The grace of God does not picket against those who fall short. Grace embraces them into wholeness and brings about a real inward transformation. 
The grace of God does not condemn those struggling against sin. The grace of God does not produce a license or a desire to sin. True grace of God produces the power to go and sin no more. The grace of God makes a person gracious, kind, and generous. I conclude. Jesus is the grace of God. Be strong in the grace of God that abounds towards you. Be strong in the knowledge that you are justified by faith through grace. Be strong in the wisdom, for by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God. And be strong in the understanding that your sins, past, present, and future, was forgiven over 2,000 years ago. When you are strong in the gospel of grace, grace will produce godliness, holiness, and a glorious life within you. And listen attentively to him so that you may be able to unveil Jesus and see his amazing grace. God bless you. Amen. Thank you so much, Doc. That was so amazing. And um, Thank you. next time, I think she'll probably do a part two on this because she was definitely on the road. I thank you so much. Stay tuned for the next episode. This is Tyrone Lowe, the engineer for your evening. Thank you. You're welcome.